Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Shapwurst. With me is Vinny Tadaro. And uh, so for today, we're going to talk about Tony Pollard. Today was the last day for the franchise tagged players to sign an extension. He did not, as did the other top two running backs in the market, which has caused quite a response from NFL running backs in general. So talk a little bit about that. Also, some comments by Dak Prescott worth touching on. And then we'll dive a little more into the Dallas Cowboys fan survey and wrap up with the next three games in the Cowboys schedule. But we will start off with uh, trivia, and it is Vinny asking me the trivia this time. So okay. go ahead, Vinny. Now, people seem to forget that we drafted a wide receiver this year in the seventh round, Jalen Brooks. Yeah. Nobody ever talks about him. But we drafted another receiver with the same – Name last name back in 1997. Can you name that receiver? Uh, I don't think so. 1997, oh. last name Brooks. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you that he was a fourth rounder and okay. came out of James Madison. Okay, same as Charles Haley. Yeah, does that help? Um, Tony Brooks? No. Besides Dallas, he played for the Bears. And then he wound up Um, buying a team in another league. um, He's a very uh, tall receiver. (laughs) Jeff Brooks? No, Macy Brooks. Yeah. No. <laughs> he was another one of those players that caused Aikman to retire. <laughs> he was another wasted draft pick. Yeah. And he was one of those shit receivers that they got from Mc- for uh, Aikman, like you know, like Wayne McGarity and people like yeah. that. Yeah. James McKnight. Um, James McKnight played pretty well. He was actually. decent. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a star, but he wasn't bad. Um. And actually, I, I recently saw an interview of Troy Aikman, which was pretty interesting with this guy. It was kind of an interesting clash of worlds because it's this guy named Ed Milet, who, who I follow on like LinkedIn, and he's kind of this, this self-improvement guru type of guy, entrepreneur. And so I know him independently, and he's interviewing Troy Aikman, my childhood hero. So... But it was a good interview, and and he, he really uh, it was enlightening for Troy Aikman. But uh, yeah, well, but let's uh, we can maybe touch on that another time. But I wanted to start with Tony Pollard. So yes. I don't think it's it was particularly shocking that we didn't get a deal done. No. And for what it's worth, it, it seems like Tony Pollard or actually. Has Pollard already signed his franchise tender? I think he has. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Uh, so it's – and that, I mean, that by itself suggests that we didn't really have a lot – you know, he didn't have a lot of leverage after he signed that for holding out for a long-term deal. But still noteworthy, he's going to play on a one-year contract. But it seems like he's still getting kind of grouped in – 
with Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley as the three running back, clearly the best three running backs, all of whom got the franchise tag, none of whom got long-term deals, and the NFL running back world is very upset. <laughs> the The biggest uh, comment, I think, was Derrick Henry saying, basically, if you're... And this was in a, a response to another post where someone said you should be the the strategy should be drafting running backs keeping them on the rookie contract if they're good franchising them once and then letting them walk and derrick henry said well if that's how you think then you might as well just you know delete the position or or you know stop having the position or something to that extent and, and then a lot of the guys chimed in saying the poor baby as yeah. derrick henry is he in the welfare line <laughs> Compared to quarterbacks, he probably thinks he is, but but no, yeah. not in actuality. So, yeah, what what? Uh... It reminds me. I'll tell you exactly what I think of it. Uh, it reminds me of when Ken Norton left uh, Dallas for San Francisco. Jerry had made him offer, um, and uh, Norton famously referred to it as a welfare offer, which irked a lot of people. Um, no, I think these running backs have to come to terms with reality, in yeah. that. Um, position has been devalued for reasons we've already discussed and which are very valid mm -hmm. and uh, they're lucky they're getting paid what they are getting paid because uh, mm -hmm. they have a short shelf life uh, they're injury prone and um, they're, they're quite replaceable and they're still getting paid enough money for the rest of their lives right. these guys, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry Saquon Barkley I mean, you know <laughs> It, 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 it's just you know every, everybody wants quarterback money. Mm -hmm. Well then, be a quarterback. Right. Well, you couldn't be a quarterback. All right. Well then, you know that's life. Yeah. You know, I'd like to have a mansion. You know, I don't have it. <laughs> you know, I mean these guys. Unfortunately, people give them a fulcrum in which to stand to uh, to be to be crybabies and to embarrass themselves. Tony Pollard. I'm so happy they didn't come to a long term deal because we don't know what we're getting with Tony Pollard. Right. We don't know about his injury. We don't know if he's going to be 100% again. We don't know if he can carry a heavier load. Okay? And, you know, $10 million is nothing to scoff at. Right. I mean, I know, you know, they all want to be, you know, they're probably jealous of receivers more than anything because it's become a passing game. But, um, and I know that the running back position is, you know, a short, uh, tends to be a, a short career. But, you know, these guys are getting paid. Um, and you know, that's the way the, the game has evolved right. in that, um, you know, there, there are a lot of guys that you could put back there and a lot of it is incumbent upon your offensive system and your offensive line. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't have any sympathy for, uh, for Derrick Henry or Tony Pollard. I think that the Pollard should be kissing the ground, thanking God yeah. that, um, he's getting $10 million and he's one, got one leg. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think Pollard, it, it's telling that he signed it and Barkley and Josh Jacobs didn't because Pollard, while he's been more efficient than just about anyone, he's not been asked to carry the load. He hasn't taken the beating that those guys have as, as the bell cow backs of their teams. So, and for what it's worth, I don't think Pollard has been one of these guys that's chimed in expressing, you know, dissatisfaction. 
But no, I, I agree. And I think I think the other thing is that a lot of running backs are still looking at Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, guys that got paid before the market really started to shift when they were getting yeah. like high teens in dollar per year. Now you got Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, who are arguably the top two running backs in the league. They took $10 million a year, which I think is much more reasonable. And I'm sure that's what Barkley and Jacobs are getting offered. And they're probably turning their nose up on it, uh, up at it, and trying to get closer to sixteen million. But the market, like you said, the market's just not there anymore. And either commit, you know, switch, to, try and switch to receiver to get, you know, Justin Jefferson, what he's probably going to get on his next deal, which I'm sure will be close to thirty million, or just live with it. <laughs> it go play in another league much, and see how much you get. Right, yeah, or play another sport. Like, you're an athletic guy. Like, if you think $10 million a year isn't enough, play baseball. Play another sport. So, yeah, I, I think that that about sums it up for Saquon me Saquon well. Barkley has no leg to stand on because the guy's been injured half of his career. Right. And he had a great year last year, especially considering he played behind a not-so-great O-line. But, you know, he's also... You know, 4.4 yards per carry. Some of that's the O-line, but he's a little bit of a run-trick, one-trick pony. I've, I've always felt this, even when he was drafted number two overall. He's not a super physical runner. He's a he's a physical specimen, but he's not a really powerful in-between-the-tackles the back. He, he's more finesse, like a Barry Sanders, but he's not... I don't think as good as, as Barry Sanders was at that style. Um, so I, everybody I wants get it from to be his, paid. Yeah. yeah, everybody wants to be paid in a way that, you know, hurts the team. You know, then they whine about mm-hmm. not winning. Well, you know, part of the reason you're not winning is because certain guys are getting paid ridiculous amounts of money and taking up an inordinate amount of space on the salary cap. Yeah. So, you know, for, uh, you know, I'm, I haven't heard Dak Prescott complain too much, you yeah. know, but he's taking up much more than he should be, much more than he's worth. Um, you know, well, and if he wants to win a Super Bowl, you know, he's going to need help around him. And they're not yeah. going to play for free, as we know. Yep. So let's let's talk about Dak for a second. So he had some comments That's why, today. Well, wait, let me just say one thing. Yeah, That's sure. why I love Deion Sanders. Because Deion Sanders said, hey, you pay me, and I'll come in and I'll play cornerback for you, and I'm going to be as good as anybody who ever played cornerback, but I'm going to return punts for you, and I'm going to be great at that. And I'm going to play wide receiver, and I'm going to be good at that too. I'll pay him. Yeah. yeah. Deion Sanders, definitely elite player at his position, and, and I think those those are the guys that you, you kind of – roll out the red carpet for when it comes to the contract, I think. And whether Dak is that guy, Pollard is that guy, I think is much more questionable and and probably not is the answer. I mean, Pollard, I think you can make a better argument for him being elite if he can maintain his pace. Well, first off, if he comes back from injury 100% and if he can maintain his his efficiency with more carries. Dak Prescott, I don't think, has ever been, for a full season, an elite quarterback. 
I don't I don't think so, that Tony I don't think they're going to give Tony Pollard more carries. I think they're going to keep using him the way they have and I give the other so. carries to the to the guys behind him. Like um, uh, I don't know if it's going to be Jones who makes the team because of his power or yeah. Malik Davis or um, you know I really hope the rookie the six round rookie can come on and uh, give us something. Um, so but no nah, I mean I don't know Tony Pollard as a 25, 30 carries a guy, a, no, a game I, guy, I don't know. No, and I don't think it'll be that much, but I, I could see it being, you know, he had like 200 carries last year. I can see him getting 250 yeah. this year, That seemed, and maybe some more targets as well in right. the receiving game. But so, so a comment Dak Prescott made today was basically talking about interceptions. He... The, the the bulk of the, the most noteworthy in, quote was him just saying, I won't have 10 interceptions this year. But, uh, yeah. But what I thought is also noteworthy is he says, the, in a long, longer quote, I know who I am, and you can go back and take away half of those off drops. I'm not saying it's on the receiver, but you. Cut yes, that in half, yeah. <laughs> but you cut that in half, then we start talking about those. Nobody is talking about it. So, a couple things. First of all, let's just address that quote directly. Yes, a lot of those interceptions were either straight up drops or miscommunication, and the miscommunication I think is tougher to to delegate blame than the drops a lot of the drops are clearly the receiver's fault but every 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 quarterback has receivers who drop the ball for interceptions right and and the the way you measure if Dak is truly unlucky or if he's you know just a little unlucky or if he's right down the norm is looking at interceptions versus turnover worthy throws that that's the best way I know how to at least and yeah. Dak had more turnover-worthy throws than he did interceptions last year. So, yes, there, there were a lot of plays were, were, which were not his fault that did get interception. It did get intercepted. But he also threw a lot of passes that didn't get intercepted that should have. Yeah. So he, he wasn't I, – I, compared to the league average, I would venture to say he was about where he should should have been. He, he wasn't super lucky like a Josh Allen who threw, I think, like – fewer interceptions than Dak last year, but he had like 30 turnover-worthy throws. He wasn't that lucky, but he wasn't also, you know, it's not like he threw four turnover-worthy throws and had 15 interceptions. Like, he's about where where most quarterbacks are for the number of times he threw the ball in harm's way is the bottom well, line. Well, there weren't, there weren't that many drops. I mean, he, he, he just threw some yeah. really – he made a lot of bad decisions. That's the, That was the biggest problem. It just he made bad decisions, and he made bad, bad throws. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, he threw the ball. I remember the, the one game where, where over the middle the C.D. Lamb didn't even notice that C.D. Lamb didn't cross the face of the safety, went behind him. Just right. 10 yards behind the safety when he threw the ball. That was one of the miscommunication ones, which – but but that's on Dak. You don't throw a ball to you don't throw a ball. He's, he might get plenty of time to see it. Yeah, he had plenty of time to see that. that I mean, well, because CD Lamb was ten yards behind the safety. It wasn't like he was right next to him. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dak's, I, I, Dak's just slow. He's slow back there to process. 
my the bigger complaint I had with that one because I I think like the moment he released it I, I think it was probably pretty close but it, it looked yeah, it worse when it got there but I I think the bigger complaint I had and, and I I think I said this at the time is the situation you shouldn't have been making that aggressive uh, a throw in that situation like we were I think we were already up by two scores maybe we had like plenty of time to go down the field and score before the halftime. But that interception gave the, the bears a short field and, and they, I don't think they really capitalized on it. Well, cause they're not a good team, but well, it was still not the time to be aggressive. Even if you want to put it partially on lamb. It's yeah, you're right. It's true. But you know, looking at the replay, it was scary. Yeah. It was scary that this guy could be this, Unintuitive, you know, and on just not seeing the field well, yeah, or not thinking quickly, you know, um, just not there. I mean, Tony Romo said a long time ago. He said that Dak Prescott doesn't throw his receivers open. Yeah, and that's what he was, I think, trying to do, and he, he did more of that, like trying to throw with anticipation this year, but it it worked. It didn't work out very well. And I do think some of, you know, the changes we've made with bringing Brandon Cooks and Gallup coming off injury, that should help to some degree. But it also, it, it's also, again, situational football and knowing when to be aggressive and when not to. There's one against the Packers, similarly, where Dalton Schultz, again, trying to cross the face of the safety and he goes behind it. Dak tries to throw with anticipation and gets picked off in the end zone. Again, like you can put it partially on Schultz, but yeah. at the same time, we were in the red zone, and in that situation, you don't throw, you don't, you know, force it. It's one thing if you're down two scores and you gotta, you know, really, you know, force things in there and, and press the needle to try and come back and move the ball quickly, but. In that situation, you take the points and you don't turn the ball over, and, and that's well, my biggest complaint with that one. One one thing you have to remember when looking at Dak Prescott's statistics is that Dalton Schultz, like Jason Witten before him, um, would be wide open. <laughs> you know, I mean, there were so many times when he was just wide open. Maybe it was a you know a, a, a you know his last option or a dump off, but you know there was nobody in the vicinity, and if he didn't make the throw, he wouldn't be, even be a pop Warner quarterback. Um, I think that not having Dalton Schultz is going to hurt him this year. I don't see Ferguson. I, I don't. I shouldn't say that. I have. I'm fifty fifty on Ferguson. Um, yeah. I think I liked him when we drafted him. I thought, hey, yeah. this is this is good. It looks like they got a good get to tight end in a weak class, and they got him in the fourth round. So I'm fifty fifty on him. But he's unproven. The new guy, I'm not. I wouldn't have drafted him. Yeah, not that high. I, I would have drafted him in the fourth round, and I would have been very happy with that selection. But the second round was a ridiculous reach to me. Yeah, it was. Um, so I want to go through a couple questions in this, this fan survey. We, I did this a little with Troy last week. Um, so let's start with this question. How do you feel? There are three possible answers it gives how do you feel about the current state of the franchise one option is headed in the right direction headed in the wrong direction and i have no idea 
Um, I'll tell you what I voted because I, I voted through all this um, back when they released it, but curious to hear what you would answer. <laughs> None of the above. Um... You, you can do, I have no idea that that's, that's an option. Um, no, I, I don't want, I, I have an idea. Um, I think they're, they're headed in the wrong direction because I think they're, they're running in place. I think that, yeah. and I've said this so many times that I'm really bored saying it, but I just think that they have so much salary cap space, um, and so many holes to fill and they just always overvalue their talent. And it's the same thing year in and year out. They always think that they're better than they really are. Um, and it's clear now what their strategy is. Their strategy is to go into training camp, to see what they got. They're going to give a lot of unproven players a chance. And I don't think you do that when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. I don't think you enter the season with this many question marks. Um, and uh, we'll see if they can pick up some other guys closer to the season. But they're certainly not going to be able to fill the eight holes which I've identified. Yeah. So I I give it a heading in the right direction vote, and the reason I did that is because looking at the last I'll I'll say looking at the last few years in combination of the draft and free agency. And, and head coach, the fact that we've gone from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy, which I think at this point I feel, and, and I, I definitely including Dan Quinn as well in that equation, I think we've improved, again, heading in the right direction being the optimal phrase in both coaching, drafting, and free agency that one's a little dicey because of you know Amari Cooper and Lyle Collins last year but with Cooks and Gilmore that kind of starts to offset that so again I I think we're improving now what's gonna be the kind of rubber hitting the road question of whether we are continuing in that direction or whether we're going back in the wrong direction is going to be how we handle the upcoming free agents. And I think Trayvon Diggs, Tyler Biotish, those are the two guys especially that I think we are most likely to overpay and potentially go back to that, you know, the two-year, 2018 to 2019, where we signed Jalen Smith, which at the time I kind of liked that one. But the Ezekiel Elliott contract was obviously bad. I felt was bad at the time and, and even worse in retrospect. So, yeah. And, and then the other piece of the, the puzzle is I feel like if Mike McCarthy, even though he's already off to a better start than Jason Garrett was, if he doesn't get us where we need to, I feel like Jones, Jerry Jones is going to fire him and try to upgrade again that's whether that actually happens or not is going to dictate whether i continue to feel we're going the right direction or not um we did so okay so so here's another one what grade would you give mike mccarthy heading into his fourth season as a cowboys coach 
and it's just a a flat or a, a an A B C D or F. There's no plus or minus. Well, I'll give him a C because he hasn't accomplished yeah. the object objective, which is to get back to a Super Bowl or at least a championship game. Yeah. Um, he's had talent. He's definitely had talented teams. I'm not going to say it's not like you know it was there in those five and eleven years. Um, he's had talented teams, and um, he's had good coordinators, both Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I think too many boneheaded decisions have been made um, with personnel and with uh, play calling, things that he could have vetoed as being the head coach. And I don't like, you know, the, I really not crazy about the fact that they're installing, you know, thirty percent or whatever it is of his offense, and he's going to call the plays. And yeah. you know, his comment was, you know, just bewildering. Damn, you know, I want to run the ball yeah. more. They ran it six most in the NFL last year. Right. And you know, this is a passing league. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what are you going to do? Give it to Tony Pollard thirty times a game? I mean. Yeah. You know, their, their offense finished very high doing things the way that they were doing them. Um, they paid a lot of money for Brandon Cooks, a lot of money for Michael Gallup. They are going to pay a lot of money for um, C.D. Lamb. And I, you know, at best it was a really stupid comment, a really stupid idea. Uh, at worst, I think it was just a lie. I think he was just trying to. I think that's um, at best. It it was just <laughs> a yeah. lie because I don't yeah. I don't want them to do that. But yeah, okay, okay, fine. Misdirect. You can look at oh, yeah. it that way. Yeah. But you know, I think it was they were desperately trying to rationalize getting rid of Kellen Moore, which I think yeah. was done impetuously and impulsively by uh, Jerry Jones after the you know they only put up what 12 points was it in the championship game and then you know two years of ridiculous calls uh, at the end of the game I think that that pretty much sealed his fate in Jerry's eyes and Jerry couldn't get rid of his quarterback through the interceptions um, although he did you know criticize him in that press release uh, right. that went uh, went out um, so you know I I hope they don't miss Kellen Moore. I think they will. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I gave it a and, – and let me go back. So 8.9% of the – for the previous question, 8.9% of the fans said the team is heading in the wrong direction. 68.9% sided with me saying we're heading in the right direction. 22% said they have no idea. For the Mike McCarthy question, 27% – sided with you giving him a C um, I gave him a B I gave him, and that was what 62% voted that was the most popular one for that but I again similar to with the last question the it the play calling is going to be what dictates whether Mike McCarthy should stay or should not and what I, I I'm kind of starting to fear that like you said we're going to regret letting kellen moore go and and possibly i could very well see in a few years us looking back and like hating ourselves for not firing mike mccarthy and hiring kellen moore as the head coach because if he is the guy like a I, i'm sean listening to like a Sean Payton, uh, a Matt LaFleur even, to a lesser extent, Mike McDaniel, who is 
on the cutting edge of what's going on in football. There's a, a podcast I just started listening to called The Play Callers, and it's all it's about Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, and Matt LaFleur, all of whom worked together at one point. And, the, you know, they're all kind of doing the same thing. They have their their own twists off it a little bit, but the formula that's working in today's NFL is heavy play action, a lot of motion, a lot of window dressing, and the the question and we we showed glimpses of that. We've in the in the Kellen Moore era, we've shown great glimpses, but we've also shown at times just completely abandoning it. And and the question that we're going to find out, I think relatively quickly is who's at fault for the abandonment? If it's if we're lining up in pro style offense ninety percent of the time and, and we're running the ball, you know, seventy five percent of the time on first down, well then you know it was Mike McCarthy that was hampering Kellen Moore. If we're we're doing that stuff and and Mike McCarthy's just blowing smoke when he says he's going to run the ball like crazy then maybe maybe it was a good decision to let Kellenmore walk. But I think it's more likely to be the former than the latter. And and that that'll definitely change the way I, I view Mike McCarthy and, and how I would grade him. I don't see Kellen Moore and I don't know, I'm speculating here, but I just don't see him as being a really stubborn hard ass, uh, like a Bill Parcells type. No. And I think that if he were pressured by Jerry or Jerry and Mike to do some things differently, that he would have done it to keep his job. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see him as just there going in saying, look, this is the way we do it. I don't care what anybody else in this room thinks. Right. I don't see I, him I as think that he, type. I think he has loyalty because he went directly from playing posi- the position and, and playing backup. Like he wasn't getting paid a ton of money. Uh, relative to NFL players, at least, and immediately they gave him a job as as a quarterback coach, and and I I'm guessing he probably is grateful for that. And, and you've and he says all the right things, like he compliments Dak. He, he did that a couple weeks ago. I don't think he's said anything negative about anyone within the Cowboys organization. But you're right. I, I don't think he's going to. You know, and and this is something they talk about a lot in this in this show, the the play caller show, is what was great about the the unit, and this was in Washington in the RG three season where they had Kyle Shanahan as offense coordinator, Sean McVay, I forget everyone's positions, but Sean McVay, Matt Lafleur, and Mike McDaniel, uh, all on the same squad, and they would like. They, they would get heated, like, discussing, you know, play call or, uh, uh, you know, trying to get plays put in that they liked. Like, they would—they were very confrontational, it sounds like, but it made them all better. I don't think Kellen Moore is doing that. It, it sounded like Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy kind of just had the opposite views on offense. And, and that was where it was kind of one or the other— moving forward and so what was mike mccarthy's view that we should finish 28th in offense instead of fourth (laughs) he i mean his his line is i just want to win games which 
I would uh, hope so. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, right. Real groundbreaking stuff there. Um, but I want to win games? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, you know, Mike McCarthy comes across as, almost as a lummox, almost as a guy who's just riding the coattails of the talent that he has and the coordinators that he has. Yeah. He does not strike me as an as an impressive head coach. Sorry, never. I, I give him a C. I might give him less than a C. Yeah. Um. I think this year will be a big one for him. Um, so let, let's jump into uh, the schedule. So I think we're we're through eleven games, and we are now. So we we went through through Thanksgiving against Washington. I think I have us at eight and three at this point. I believe I I forget the record you've got for us. Let's just rattle through it again r- real quick. So New York Giants, week one, I've got us winning that one. Um, New York Jets, I think I have us losing that one. Cardinals, I have us winning. Patriots win. 49ers loss. Chargers, I kind of forget with that one. I think I had us winning that one, winning against the Rams, losing to Philly, and then winning against the Giants, Panthers, and commanders so eight and three is where i have us um and then that that puts us up against seattle and this is happens every year where after thanksgiving we play the next thursday night and and this one is against seattle at home what do you think of that matchup who who do you think wins that seattle quietly rebuilt um, but I, they're hardly a juggernaut, and so I'm gonna, since we're playing at home, I'm going to give it to us. Yeah, yeah, that's one where I wouldn't be surprised if Se- I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle was better this year than last year, I, and I wouldn't be completely shocked if they won the division even because the 49ers lost some good players. Their quarterback is still not completely hashed out. And Seattle, I think, got better. They, they added Jackson Smith and Jigba, Devin Witherspoon in the draft, both really good players. And, and I think the big variable as it relates to them is how are those, off, those offensive tackles who were rookies last year and played better than you would have expected two rookies to overall but had some really really bad spots in some key games and they basically had no shot in those games when when you got two rookies playing like rookies at offense tackle you're gonna lose especially the way they were they were winning early in the season with a very pass first attack so i i wouldn't be surprised if seattle was took a step up and was really good like they they didn't have that thing where they won a bunch of one score games like the Vikings or the Giants, but I, my guess is most likely they'll just kind of tread water, and I do think we we should be able to to beat them at home. Seattle did something very very impressive. They jettisoned the guy that was the last person anybody thought they'd get rid of. Um, yeah. Very ballsy move. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 
Um, and it's really what the Cowboys should have done instead of keeping Dak Prescott was yeah. to show some balls like the Seattle Seahawks did and say, hey, you know what? We can get by without you. We don't need you, and you're, you're craving $100 million a year. Um, and that's what Dallas should have done with Dak Prescott. Well, and, 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 on, Elliott. Well, and on top of that, they, they replaced him with Geno Smith, who yeah. really hadn't – I mean – I don't think there's a whole lot you can take there as like a sustainable way like that. I think they just got lucky with that. But what they did do that I think is really smart and sustainable is they they signed him to a, a new contract, but a a very reasonable one relative to how he played. Like he's getting thirty five million a year, which is like, I mean that's less than Dak's getting paid. That's like middle of middle-of-the-road quarterback pay, and it's a three-year deal, but they they set it up to where they can get it out of, out of it after two years if they want to with next to no dead cap. So he gets, he gets paid, but it's a flexible deal for the team in case he reverts to being... Not, not good anymore. You know, Smith. Yeah. And, right, right. So, and Grant, it's not apples to apples between him and Dak. I think Dak, when he signed his contract, is far more established than Gino. Oh, yeah. But still, I, I think it was well, that was that was well done by them, in addition to getting rid of Russell Wilson and, and basically, like, selling... And they must have gotten a Island. stockpile of, of draft picks for Russell Wilson. Right. Well, they got, I think... Was it three, two or three first? And and one of them was the fifth overall pick this year, which they got Devin Witherspoon out of because the Broncos sucked, and and so did Russell Wilson. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Seahawks are definitely headed in the right direction, but I don't know if they're there quite yet. So the next week we've got Philadelphia, and this is at home. This is a Sunday night game at home. What do you think of it? I think we both picked us to lose against Philly the first time oh, but that I think one we're was gonna lose at home too yeah yeah I think Philly you know Philly I think lost eight starters but I still yeah. think that they're gonna be a juggernaut yeah I, I definitely think Philly is the most the most sure thing to be a contender in the NFC this year I don't. I'm not going to say they're for sure going to be the best team in the NFC, but like I just can't see them not being a contender. I, I don't see them winning less than like 11 or 12 games, I, uh-huh. barring crazy injury. That said, I they feel had a like, heck of a draft. Yeah, they they did. They did. But I'll but I do what, think though, I got a bad feeling about Jalen Carter. Yeah. And you don't know that every rookie is going to translate right away. That That's the other thing, is they might be great athletes, great players. You think who will? Nolan Smith, I, will, I think, will. Nolan Smith? I I mean, I think he'll contribute to some... Like, he, I would expect of him kind of what I expected of Sam Williams, where I think he'll be a, a rotational player and, and decent as a pass rusher. But I... I don't think he's oh, going to be like a ten sack guy. Rush. Yeah, right, right. I mean, he'll he'll be able to to contribute something, but not 
he's not getting 10 or 12 sacks by any means. Well, they see they use free agency wisely. They got Hassan Riddick. He balled out last right. year. Right, right. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say we beat Philly at home. I, I think we've got – Dak has had very good success against Philly, and, and their defense – I could see it taking a little bit of a step back because I think the guys they lost on defense, TJ Edwards at linebacker, who had a very good season, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who, who kind of yeah. ate us up last year, yeah. and then Javon Hargrave. I, 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 it wouldn't shock me if Jalen Carter was a good player right off the bat, but I really don't think he's going to fully replace J, Javon, no. Javon Hargrave right away um they still have slay and bradbury but i also feel like slay and bradbury maybe were kind of hitting the high end of their range of outcomes last year and with a weaker d d line and overall defense i could take see them taking a little bit of a step back um so yeah i'm, I'm gonna say we we beat we lose the first one in philly we, we win at home and then the last game we'll talk about is Buffalo at Buffalo. What do you got in that one? Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Buffalo as well. I, I think they're they, they're going to be kind of a a post post hype sleeper. That that's a phrase in fantasy where where you have a guy that everyone thinks is going to be the breakout player one year and then he doesn't quite live up to that and then everyone forgets about him the next year and then that's the year where he he breaks out i think last year everyone thought the bills were the super bowl team and they didn't do badly by any means they won 13 games and but they lost pretty handily in the second round of the playoffs i think this year I mean, I loved their draft, as you know. They, they drafted two of my pet cats in Dalton Kincaid and um, the guard, who's uh, Cyrus Torrance. So, and yeah. honestly, I think Osiris. I mean, and they also signed Connor McGovern, who who's not phenomenal, but their O line has been their Achilles heel. Their O line had been bad, and I think just with those two guys. They're suddenly like a, an okay unit. And then you add Dalton Kincaid to Stefan Diggs, to Gabe Davis. Who Gabe, Troy made a good point. Gabe Davis coming off a, a high ankle sprain most of last year. Like, I think, and then Von Miller coming back off an injury. Their safety's coming back off injuries. Like, as long as they stay healthy, which is a big if, I think they're maybe as good as any team in the NFL and and in Buffalo in December I think I think they win that one. So that's a dark dismal place to be in December. Yeah, yeah. Um so that would put us at 10 and 4 in in my in my breakdown of the season so far. And then um with three games left on the docket what am i at am i at uh eight and six that that sounds right you you had i think you had the did you have us beating the giants week yeah. one okay so being the giants i think you had us beating the jets too yeah and that was the one game where where you 
were higher on us than I am. And then definitely we both had us being the Cardinals. But then I think you had us losing to New England. Is that right? I think so. Okay. And then definitely for the 49ers. And then you had us losing to the Chargers, I think, which I had us winning. And then we both had us beating the Rams. So four and three. You had us losing to the Eagles. Four and four. Then the Giants, Panthers. Did you have us beating the Giants the second time around? Yeah. Okay. And the Panthers? Yeah. And the Commanders? So yeah. I think you're one game behind. So you're nine and you got us at nine and or, or wait, wait. So let's see. Seven and four and then beating the Seahawks, losing to Philly, and losing to Buffalo. Yeah. So eight and six is where you've got us. So. Yeah, so la- next week we'll uh, wrap up the schedule breakdown with the last three games, and um, we'll have we'll have hopefully some news to talk about with with training camp starting. But um, yeah, we'll, uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode, and uh, we'll see you next week. Till then, bye bye.